Welcome to The Important Part, Investing with Liz Young. I'm Liz Young, Head of Investment Strategy at SoFi, here to help cut through the large amount of information out there about investing and get to the important part. With the help of my guests, you'll gain valuable insights, new perspectives, and the knowledge to confidently make your investment decisions. Welcome back to The Important Part, everybody. I am bringing you an episode today about technology. What better topic to talk about in 2022 as we are getting close to the end of the year, finally. Tech has been the hottest topic, how tech stocks have moved, and now we're in a period of time where tech companies have announced layoffs. They're obviously going through some margin compression, and there's been no shortage of headlines. So, Somebody like Dan Ives is the perfect person to talk about all things tech. He'll talk about uh, the opportunities that he sees in tech, what he sees for the sector over the near term and the long term. And it's going to be just chock full of absolutely wonderful information. Dan Ives is a managing director and senior equity research analyst covering the technology sector at Wedbush Securities since 2018. Dan has been a tech analyst on Wall Street for over two decades, covering the software and broader technology sector. He spent the first few years of his career as a financial analyst at HBO before becoming a globally known technology equity research analyst and managing director with FBR Capital Markets for 16 years, focusing on the enterprise software and hardware sectors. A major area of his research focus is electric vehicles and disruptive technology over the next decade. With that, let's get to the interview. Mr. Dan Ives, the master of tech stocks. I am absolutely delighted to have you here towards the end of 2022, which I think no secret to anybody has been an abysmal year, particularly for tech. So we're going to dig through all kinds of juicy stuff. We'll talk about the sector broadly. We'll talk about some of the industry groups, and I'll even make you talk about some of the single stocks later on. But welcome to the show. It's great to be here and really excited to be doing this with you. Yeah, I'm I'm super pumped. I mean, I see you on CNBC all the time. I think a lot of people do, and everybody always really values your takes. What I think would be interesting to start off with, and, and this is the beauty of a podcast format, is that when you go on TV, you get about 45 seconds to 90 seconds, if you're lucky, to make a point. And inevitably, you get to the end of that statement, and you think to yourself, God, I, w- I could have said 16 more things, right? And you don't really completely get to finish it. So in this longer format, you can get through a full thought, awesome. but you exactly. can ramble as much as you want. So so let's start here. I mentioned 2022 has been an abysmal year for tech. I think the biggest question, aside from are we going into a recession, not recession, on investors' minds is after this drawdown, and particularly the drawdown in big cap tech, which was something that hadn't really happened as drastically as the rest of the sector, After this drawdown, is this a time, regardless of recession or no recession, when investors can think about getting a little bit more constructive, or would you still be sitting this out if you have cash sitting on the sidelines? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, Liz, I'd say covering tech since late 99, so going through the bubble and burst, I think it's as negative sentiment as I've seen talking to institutional investors, probably going back to 08, 09, relative to just the tech space. It's obviously been just a horrific year in terms of what we've seen with multiple compressions. Obviously, so much of that is, is macro-driven. Look, my view is that 
the fourth industrial revolution, which I'll just call it, we'll just call it transformational growth trends in terms of the cloud, the digital transformation that we see with consumers, 5G, AI, that's not stopping. So in other words, the recession clearly could push that back. You'll have cuts around the edges and you'll see some more significant on big tech in terms of hiring. But I believe this is basically just a pause, not a stop. Mm-hmm. to where I see the ultimate growth of large cap and especially tech eras like software and semis. So to me, relative to growth, the valuations are as attractive on a growth PE basis to what I've seen going back to 2018. We've obviously been wrong this year, staying positive on tech. But part of it is like, this is just our long-term view for the last decade in terms of where tech's going. So i you know, in my opinion, it's more the time to own tech, especially what we're seeing with the 10 year and, and more of a risk on rather than a time to what I view as sort of waiting it out relative to where we see these names. Let's talk just a little bit more short term here. And, and we're recording this just for everybody we're recording this about mid-November. You will be hearing it after Thanksgiving. But over the last month, month and a half, there's been this rally, and it's been really a, a hot rally in the stock market where you've seen stuff that was the worst performers throughout the earlier part of the year come back and have you know this huge risk-on environment. Personally, I think the rally is now a little ahead of itself, and I didn't see this big of a rally coming. Either way, this is what happens a lot of times in downtrends. You get these sort of attempts to go back up broadly in the market. When you look at what's happened over the last three or four weeks, particularly in the tech rally, we had done a decent amount of work on valuations, as you mentioned, multiple compression that's happened throughout the year. Do you think it got oversold before that? And that was part of the rally that we're seeing now? Well, I think partially institutional has been underweight tech. And if you miss this rally in tech, as a portfolio manager, analyst, hedge fund, you're trying to figure out new times and new room and what font you're using on the resume. So the point is no one mm-hmm. wanted to miss out on that. That's one. Two, earnings season, they everyone cleared the decks, lowered yeah. guidance. Num- and I think that was a big thing, at least institutionally speaking, why you couldn't buy these names until numbers were at least reasonable and stress tested. And then it comes down to like, It's the view, okay, we could call the the view over the next two to three months in a macro versus a six to nine month trend. If there's a view, and it's our, you know, this this is sort of our take that growth is obviously moderating, but it's not stopping in terms of especially software. I think semis have gone way overdone. And then you look at all where numbers already are. Many view it that this is more the time to nibble and to start to jump into the deep end of the pool, if you want to say it, mm-hmm. rather than be hesitant. Because I do believe we've gotten to a point where tech stocks have gotten so overdone that you're going to have a massive M&A surge. You've started to see that from financial buyers, Bravo, and others. And I just think many tech investors, like they're sitting there in the right lane, going 55 miles an hour, holding cash, holding other, you know, kind of more value-centric name. And I just believe we're now in a period of time that tech will regain the leadership. And I think it will obviously be a bumpy path. But I think that's what we saw post-earnings, along with obviously macro risk on as inflation peaked. 
Okay, so first question coming out of that is software and semis, you think they got overdone on the downside? Yep. So after this last rally, and if you look at just the industry groups or even the sector at large, after this recent rally, do you think it needs to level out again? Or do you think this rally is actually lasting and this is the leg that takes it further up? I'm asking that because many who believe there is a recession coming think it's coming in 2023. Now we know the market leads the economy. So perhaps what you're saying is that the, the biggest drawdown in tech has already occurred. And now this is the beginning of the other side. That's my view. I mean, now part of it is, look, we're only f- about 40 percent through the cloud transition. So that mm-hmm. means that there's about a trillion dollars of cloud spending that's going to happen over the next seven to eight years. Okay. And that's really a subset of whether it's Salesforce, Microsoft, AWS. I mean, we're not talking a tremendous amount of companies from an infrastructure perspective. It's why even names like IBM and Oracle have got bids in terms of cheap ways to play the cloud. And the digital transformation that we're seeing, you obviously see cuts and reining in that we're seeing at Amazon and Meta and others. But I think it's a bifurcation of tech. The froth, profitless tech is just going to continue to compress. A lot of these names either could just go away or, or get acquired. But then they're stronger, going to get stronger. I think the other thing is with their technical gridlock in the Beltway, everyone knows now the highway is clear. There's no going to be focus in terms of antitrust legislation and others, which has been really one of the reasons that big tech names have not been much more aggressive from an acquisition perspective. So I think those are, I think that's how it's set up. But also like Liz, like many investors I talked to, like if they won the lotto, they'd complain about the taxes. In other words, like they, they've been negative on tech since 2009. Like, in other words, it gets to a point where it's more of an emotional bull bear thesis. Oh, now it's coming. Easy money's done. Tech's over. <laughs> Look, I get it. But the point is, like, the good thing is, like, in what, 22nd year doing this, you know, like, there's not institutional investor, like, we haven't, like, broken bread with or talk. So I just understand there's pure biases here. But I just think it's gotten way overdone relative to, like, even if you go to Apple, right, going into earnings, you'll have the random, like, iPhone cuts, demand, headline numbers. It's so easy to yell fire in a crowded theater, right, as an analyst. Oh, we're going to lower numbers. We're cautious. Speaks to our – then look what ends up happening with Apple. Like, they ultimately, like, demand was actually stronger in terms of the iPhone Pro. You're seeing that in China as well. It's more of a supply issue. And that's why I think Apple's been like such a relative good performer. So that's my book. I always say like I'm permeable. That's definitely like our inclination. The last decade, especially in tech. But I, I just don't throw in the towel because I view that there's a three to six month economic, whether it's a recession, clearly a compression. That's going. I think a lot of that's already baked to these names. Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, don't watch my CNBC appearances from the last two weeks because <laughs> you're going to hear me say I'm not a tech bull here. But it, I'm a, let me make my case, and then I want you to I want you to fight with me about it. I want you to tell me why I'm wrong or why you disagree. I'm not a tech bull here. So in November, I'm not a tech bull probably through the end of the year because. I would say there's probably three big reasons. The first of which is valuations. 
I do know that valuations have come down quite a bit in the last year, and we are absolutely at a more attractive level than we were November of 2021, 100%. And there are some names that are more attractive than others. One of the things that we don't talk about a lot in growthy sectors is falling knives, right? Sure. You talk about it in value sectors more often. But I do think that there are probably some falling knives in tech. And and you can even just look at what happened with crypto and companies that were attached Mm -hmm. to crypto, where you might have, I'm not going to name any names, but you might have looked at some of those and how they were trading and said, okay, just because it's down 70% can't go down any further, right? Well, turns out it can. So part of it is valuations for me. I still think that in an environment where rates are rising, you don't want to own things that are that frothy from a valuation perspective. And I don't think the Fed's slowing down any anytime soon. Second thing is you're, we're hearing about all of these layoffs now, and this is really the first wave, I think, of layoffs, particularly in this one sector. There's probably more to come, and those announcements will continue to roll in, which tells me that companies are in this phase of we need to protect our margins. I absolutely respect that. I think they're doing the right thing. The issue is that it takes a while for them to flip that. So if we're in margin protecting mode, it's going to take a long time for them to get back to, okay, let's add employees. We're ready to grow again. We're investing back in the business. Right now, I think everybody's just trying to protect the bottom line. And then lastly, this earnings season was really the first one. You mentioned, I think you said clear the slate or, or something to that effect. This earnings season was really the first one where we started to hear particularly tech companies say, oh, okay, you know what? It's actually not going that great. And we're a little worried about the outlook. In my opinion, this is not the last earnings season where we'll hear that. So I think we have to get through probably another one and they're going to give us poor guidance. Anyway, those are my, those are my big reasons. Val- valuations, they're in margin protecting mode. And I think that this was just the beginning of the earnings seasons where we're going to hear bad stuff from them. I would still wait it out probably a few more months until I feel like the economy is really cracking. Look, and first of all, all your thoughts, which they always are, they're like, they're so well laid out. And I think it's one where many agree with your thesis, right? In terms of like why you stay away. I guess to like hit on like those points and like my sort of thesis, one is that, look, I'll, that last point I'll call it like the cockroach thesis. Like it's not just one cockroach, there's always more. There's never just one cut. There's more cuts coming. Look to that point. I feel like num. I feel like the buy side is already call it eight ten percent below quote unquote sell side. So in other words, I think a lot of the buy side have already they've already sort of factored that in in terms of from evaluation where they think numbers are going. I think that's different than if I go back six, nine months ago, maybe whisper numbers, I'll call, were actually above where the street was. So I think that's an important dynamic that I think has switched. Two is that like with a lot of these companies cutting costs, look, tech companies have spent money like 1980s rock stars for the last decade. Mm -hmm. If you look a lot of them like from Amazon to Meta, Apple to Microsoft, I mean, they were growing sometimes headcount 20, 30% a year. I think where they're cutting are more on like shots on gold that are ultimately not going to manifest, whether it's on metaverse, whether it's on devices like Alexa, a lot of that's already been pulled forward. And I do think like the catching a falling knife situation, obviously a lot of pandemic plays, the Zooms, the DocuSigns, the Koopas and others, 
Yeah, those I, those are not names that I would own because those those could, multiples could continue to go down, and ultimately so could so could earnings. But I believe in high quality tech, in cybersecurity, in software and cloud, in semi. Look, that's why when Buffett buys Taiwan Semi for the first time, I think ever, and like I think it just shows you like. Look at your view. Like, if you're a conspiracy theorist at 3 a.m., like, you know, and you're like, well, Taiwan, China, and then what could happen is a bit. And then you go to like the ninth derivative. I get it. Like, you know, but in the reality, I feel like semi is, is baking in so much bad news. Unless there's black swan, mm-hmm. crazy geopolitical, a lot of these stocks go higher. I think Facebook or Meta is a unique, is a really good example of what's happened. It's like, it was a Ted Stryker airplane movie moment with Zuckerberg, basically like on that conference call, spending on fifteen billion on Metaverse. It's going nowhere. Then all of a sudden, writing on the wall, cut costs, and now you're starting to see from an institution, but relative to where Facebook trades, more starting to get behind. Okay, maybe that that's trough. Yeah. So okay. that's so that's, so that's that's sort of my view in terms of where we are in tech. But also, it just goes back to like when I put out a bullish tech note, I'll probably get like fifteen investors being like, "Keep being bullish, negative." Oh yeah. So the point is like the sentiment is so negative. It's just yeah. important relative to I think where we are. Yeah. Well, people do not like to hear a bearish message. I've been cautious for a while now, and I'll tell you what. It doesn't matter if you're right. If you're bearish and you're right, they still hate you for it. <laughs> nobody wants to, bear, hear, nobody bearish, wants to hear the negative. But it's, been, it's been ultimately, it was the right call this year. And my point with bearish is like, if someone's bearish on Apple when it's 300 billion market cap, and they're still bearish at 3 trillion, they hate Microsoft at 30 bucks, despise it at 100 absolutely hated 200 300 they're pulling their hair so eventually it gets to a point where there's just some that are just predisposed negative on names but i just view it as like you're always going to have to pay premium for growth you're not getting a ferrari for 40 grand right and look and i think that's ultimately what makes a market right like in terms of where we are yeah and i mean you know this i focus so much more on on the macro for me, it's where are we in the business cycle? And I, I have that sort of gnawing at me at all times. I like being bullish. And actually, if I look back over my career, I am way more often bullish than bearish. But this is a time where it's like, all right, if you look at all the signals, all the macro signals that are pointing towards contraction and growth is going to slow before it's going to rise again. We're late cycle. We're almost decidedly late cycle. And then the question is just, is there a way that you get back to early cycle without a full recession? I think the answer to that's probably no, but who knows, right? But one of the things I really want to talk about is how do we group tech? Now, I'm asking that because obviously the FANG acronym has been thrown around for years. I don't think it's useful anymore. I don't think that you can put many of those names in the same bucket. If I had a clever way to name it, I would group tech into three categories, one of which would be consumer-based tech. So that would be things like Apple, Amazon, things that are really dependent on consumer spending and consumer activity. The next category would be what I would consider plumbing. So things like semiconductors, software, the stuff that makes tech go. And then the last thing would be 
social media slash app-based tech, which would be the metas of the world, the snaps of the world, that sort of thing. So not all of those fall into the technology sector as we define it. But I just think the way that we group tech has to change given what's happened in the market this year and given what's gone on uh, with social media stocks versus software stocks. Give me your take on, on how you would break up the universe. My take really more so is basically it's enterprise versus consumer. Okay. In other words, I feel like the buy for, and when I say enterprise, like obviously chips could fall kind of in, in both those camps relative to who they serve. But to me, it's really enterprise in terms of cloud and in terms of cybersecurity, in terms of overall software. I feel like those are ones where resiliency is much more clear than what we see on the consumer side because of digital advertising and because that's the one where growth continues to be more pronounced, but yet it's fallen off quicker. So I feel like the way to navigate tech, in my view, is outside of Apple and Amazon. And Amazon, I view, is more of an AWS play rather than the consumer. I think that's a big part of like okay. the stability. Yeah. I feel like enterprise is how you navigate the storm. And ultimately, as we start to see the light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not an oncoming train, I feel like then a lot of these consumer names start to work again because, look, my view is like, it just goes back to like after seeing 99, 2000, and then covering the same sector, seeing 08, 09. Our playbook has always been like, we might be wrong as we're going through it, but the right names, high quality tech, in terms of at least our playbook, how we've navigated. All right. I want to do a little bit of rapid fire. So I'm going to set this up though, because the rapid fire is going to be a little more individual name focused. Because I think that's what, what people are here to hear you talk about anyway. I can't talk about the individual names. I can ask you about them. I just will not opine myself. You can have all the opinions in the world. You mentioned earlier, there's going to be this bigger M&A cycle and just for our listeners, M&A cycles happen for a couple different reasons, first of which might be strategic reasons where you've got a company that's healthy. You've got two companies that are probably pretty healthy, and they're going to combine because it's going to create synergies. You also have, at this point in the business cycle, uh, M&A that happens for financial reasons, meaning somebody needs to be rescued or somebody big and stable is going to gobble up some of the smaller competition that's in trouble those financial M&A transactions are likely what we're going to see in in this sort of revolution. So my question to you, Dan, is if that's the case, then the industry goes through this consolidation phase. Some survive, some don't. How do you as an investor try to pick out the ones that are going to survive versus the ones that are not going to survive? I think for, you got to play both sides. Like let's say as potential acquisitions, like we look at like cybersecurity. I mean, there's names like Veronis, Tenable, Qualys, Rapid7, a handful of others where I feel like that space, cybersecurity, is very prone to M&A because they're just okay. massive trends. Stocks have gotten crushed. There's a scarcity value. And there's financial buyers and strategics that, you know, we we were always actively looking, but I think now it's gotten to the point where the marriages start. And I think you start to see that sale point. Like, you know, you, you saw Mandy and Turner's like we've started to see, but I think now it's going to be more pronounced. 
because boards look at it, and now they're going to have to take those calls. So one, in terms of like cyber and specifically cloud, I think are huge areas that are going to see consolidation. In terms of who's going to benefit, look, I think Oracle, Microsoft, Salesforce, IBM. Like even in names like an IBM, like you could be like, let's say like bearish on high multiple names, but you could Oracle and IBM. Those are cheap ways to play the cloud. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying like, and I think as in the consolidation, like a sales force will actually benefit because it's just going to get stronger and stronger. You talk about cycles better than anyone. I look for what are the names that as we go into the next cycle, they're stronger than they were before. That was the key to Nadella, what he did with cloud at micro, you know, going back when he took over. Mm-hmm. It's what Cook's done at Apple. It's what I think Jazzy's done a great job of AWS. I think Arvin's done a great job at IBM. So I think those are just some points to how you play it on the acquisition side as well as the potential acquirers. All right, here's the rapid fire. If you had to pick one, software or semis? I'd pick software here just because of where the resiliency is, and I don't have to worry about inventory and supply chain risk. Amazon. There's been reports of them laying off 10,000 workers, kind of an odd time of year for them to do something like that into the holiday season when they normally add workers. What's your take there? Is that a signal of something worse to come? I think that's more devices. Jazzy basically took over something that was a blurred expense structure, but yet they're going to increase spending on the cloud. So I think that's a good example. The headline sounds worse than the reality. And, you know, and I think Amazon's doing the right things as painful as, as it is for those employees. Okay, meta. Spending on the meta at a time when spending is a bit frowned upon in tech. I realize he's playing the long game. Do you believe in that long game and how long can investors wait it out? Yeah, not at all in terms of believing that strategy. I think also with Cheryl leaving, that was a that was the co-pilot. That conference call they had in terms of the last earnings was an absolute horror show. Friday the Thirteenth, you know, whichever your favorite horror movie is, they finally got religion, <laughs> cut cost. I believe they're just going to have to significantly rein more and more in metaverse. They got double down social media. That's the golden goose. And I think we're going to look back at being like, okay, that was one they kind of did a little more of a U-turn, at least in the near term. Because, look, Zuckerberg, you know, despite obviously significant ownership, I mean, he doesn't have to really listen to anyone. I think he even recognized that this was, you know, not the right strategy at the right time. Look, these companies are being forced to transform. And a lot of it is because of Apple iOS privacy issues. Do you want to be tracked or not on your Apple phone? And then as well as digital slowdown that we're seeing, especially for Facebook. Speaking of Apple, where do you stand on Apple? Is it, and I don't want to make it too black and white because that's never the case, but is it a buy here? Is it a sell here? Is it something that you have to own for the long term or is it something you can trade? I think it's a, look, I mean, could some trade around it, of course, but I think it's a clear buy given my view of where iPhone demand is for the next two to three years, even a recession, and what my view of the services business and what penetration levels look like, still, still under-penetrated. And then they'll have the AR, VR headset next year, and then eventually Apple Car in 2025. Look, my view on Apple is these downturns, these drawdowns in the stock have at least going back to you know the last 15 years, been always the opportunity for what I view is probably the best stock in tech. 
Lastly, but certainly not least, Tesla slash Twitter and that entire saga that is ongoing. Um, Let's answer that from the perspective of the CEO effect. So obviously, Elon Musk has a huge impact on the movement of both of those, although Twitter not moving publicly anymore, but on the movement of Tesla stock, obviously on the movement of Twitter stock before it was acquired. Is that a risk for both companies that he has such a large influence over the direction of the stock price? Well, no doubt. Look, uh, I mean, there's I've never covered a company. I don't think there maybe even has been one, maybe Jack Welch, GE, if you go back years ago, but Musk, Tesla, the premium that Musk gets is unlike any other company because he is that special. You could hate him, but it's hard to deny what he's done in Tesla and SpaceX. That's why he's the richest person in the world. The worry is just more and more attention in Twitter away from Tesla. At a time, you need him more focused. Key man risk, we'll call it that. There's always mm-hmm. worries about that. And then Twitter, it's been a black eye situation for Musk. PR, I'll call it like borderline brand deterioration. And the frustrating thing with Tesla is that he's basically selling diamonds to buy a $2 slice pizza in New York in terms of buying Twitter. And that's been the frustration. I believe he's heard it. He's starting to maybe curtail, have others that will ultimately focus on Twitter's you know CEO and running that. But look, for now, it's been a clear overhang. And it's something that investors, like the clock struck midnight, like frustration. Even like, look, with us, that have been biggest must Tesla supporters going back to, you know, 2008, 2009, it's definitely hit a point where Musk needs to kind of like give the reins, focus back on Tesla. Well, I promised at the beginning of the show that we'd talk about a yield curve inversion. I just realized that we never did. So what? Let's let's close it on the yield curve inversion. I know you're a permable on tech. We're in a day. So we're recording this for everybody on November 17th. I actually tweeted this earlier today. Deepest yield curve inversion at the twos 10 since 1981. My take on that is that the 10 year yield has come down because people started to get afraid, not because we're expecting a Fed pivot. And that's going to be this huge tailwind and, and bull market for stocks. What is your take on how yield curve inversions have affected tech and what's what's the take going forward if let's say the yield curve inversion stays this deep or gets deeper is that good or bad well first off like i actually like read all your stuff because for me from like a macro perspective it gives me a better understanding in terms of you know trying to just listen better understand at least from the yield perspective and rates and what what we're seeing you know in the market look my view it's like it is scared the living daylights out of investors, right, in terms of what we see with the yield curve inversion and just overall that 10-year, right? That's been the albatross, the overhang, the dark cloud in tech stock. That's why, as you know, as soon as you finally get a cooler CPI, PPI, it's a like green light to buy tech, done. You know, and it's just there's pent-up demand there, but of course, like individuals like yourself that are so good on the macro side, Every time you get bullish on tech, and then I hear you come and talk about the yields, I think many other investors are like, uh, maybe not so much right now. And I think that, obviously, that's definitely been a clear overhang on tech this whole year. If you remember, most tech 
analysts and most tech PMs, you pay attention to macro, but in no way do you consider yourself a PhD of economics. And I think that's caught many by surprise, including ourselves, right, in terms of just that type of impact that it's had on multiples and, you know, and obviously tech stocks this year, which has been a, you know, a nightmare year for, I think, everyone that's bullish in tech. Yeah. Well, no PM runs money with their head buried in the sand. I think everybody, to some degree, has to pay attention to the macro. At the same time, people like me, I don't get buried into the micro of it. And that's why it's so helpful and useful for me to listen to perspectives like yours. So I hope that investors are listening to this. And vice versa. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, look, I've said this a couple times in the last few months. This has been the hardest year of my career as a strategist, because it's been so difficult to have an opinion that you really feel pretty confident about. You could say it on Monday and be proven wrong by Wednesday. It's been a tough year to make calls. It's been a tough year to be bold. It's been a tough year to be a bear, but it's something that I hope is behind us soon. And and look, these kinds of years typically don't happen one after the other. So here's to hoping that 2023 is much better. And I will continue to listen to all of your commentary. Well, I'll tell you one thing. If we have a year, if next year is like this year, then I'm just going to focus on college football recruiting going <laughs> forward. Who's your team? Uh, Big Penn State fan. Nice. Nice. So, And I know you're a Packers fan. I'm a Wisconsin. Yeah. All things Wisconsin. So I'm a big, big 10 Penn Stater and... Uh, you know, and now we'll see what happens. I, I think two pen, I think two Big Ten teams get into the playoffs: Michigan, Ohio wow. State. Regardless of, you know, as long as that game's not a blowout. Good. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dan. This has been this has been invaluable for me, and hopefully for our listeners too. And I really appreciate your time today. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, and I hope everyone's well. Well, that was something. I was really excited to do that episode, especially right now when there are opinions on both ends of the spectrum about where tech is and where it's headed. So a few big things that I took away from it. I mean, you know, I I don't think this is a surprise to anybody. And and I would agree with this, that growth trends and, and tech still leads the American economy. Dan's point about, you know, he's sort of a perma bull on tech, but the belief there, the reason for that being that over the long term and over the next, let's call it five to 10 years, tech is still going to be the growth engine of the economy. It's just all about whether you're going to time the purchase correctly and then be able to have the wherewithal to sit through some of the bumps along the way. So he thinks it's still a time to own tech stocks. And there are certain ones that he was very passionate about being buys right now. It sounds like when we look at things like high quality tech, cybersecurity, those are all big things to consider. And and he still really likes the enterprise side of tech and different ways to just break up the sector. I mentioned that FANG just doesn't seem like the right category anymore. So he breaks it up into enterprise versus consumer tech. And it can get kind of confusing sometimes because a lot of these names that we talk about as tech don't actually fall into the tech sector based on how sectors are broken up in the index. So it's a little bit easier if you think about it as enterprise versus consumer and still a lot of spending to come in cloud. So when you look at the software space, and that's another big debate, he thinks that there's still a trillion dollars in spending to come in in software for the next seven to eight years, particularly in cloud. And then I would just say I closed it with the yield curve inversion question. This has been a year where the macro has fought the micro all the way through. 
And unfortunately, the macro has won for much of the year, still to be seen which one wins through the end of the year. I think we've all wanted fundamentals to really take the day and be the standout. Unfortunately, macro has just been stronger. So this yield curve inversion and where we are in the business cycle continues to be a question mark and something that I think makes bulls scratch their head. But at the same time, as somebody who's been cautious throughout the year, a lot of the micro and and the movement in individual names and the movement in certain sectors, especially during some of these really powerful bull markets that have happened, the shorter term bull markets are head scratchers for those of us that are cautious. So this has been a tough year. I hope that 2023 is not nearly as tough as 2022. History would suggest that it shouldn't be. But hang in there, everybody. And I hope that everyone got some really good nuggets of knowledge out of Dan on tech today. For more from me, check out my weekly column on the markets and economy every Thursday morning on the SoFi blog at SoFi.com slash blog. And follow me on Twitter for daily takes on the market at Liz Youngstrap. The Important Part is produced by SoFi in partnership with Pod People. Special thanks to our production team, Sarah Lee Kane, our producer, Brian Rivers, our production manager, and Adam Raimonda, our editor and sound engineer. SoFi can't guarantee future financial performance and past performance is no guarantee. This podcast should be used for informational purposes only and not deemed as a recommendation. Our automated investing is via SoFi Wealth, LLC, and is a registered investment advisor. Our active investing is via SoFi Securities, LLC, member FINRA SIPC. For additional disclosures related to the SoFi Invest platforms, please visit sofi.com slash legal.